Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the Gospel for this weekend, we hear these Herodians coming onto the scene. Now, these Herodians essentially are supporters of King Herod, who is the governor of Palestine, which is present-day Israel. Now, they get their name by being supporters of Herod, Herodians. Now, Herod essentially is a puppet governor, and his government is a puppet established by the Romans. And this is how the Romans operated. Essentially, they would go out and they would conquer a territory. And then after they've conquered that territory, they would set up a puppet government such that they could control. And then after they have done that, then they would go out and conquer another territory and set up another puppet government. And in doing so, you see how the Roman Empire expanded. They could expand by conquering other territories, and then they could essentially keep control over those territories because they established these governments that they controlled. In doing so, they profited by it. First, they could tax these territories, but also they could recruit. They could recruit men into their army. Now, the Herodians are religious sect. They are Jews. And yet they support the Romans who are occupying Israel. In our day and age, we would call them collaborators, collaborators with an enemy. Now, one other thing that we have to understand is we often we hear of the Pharisees. Now, they are another religious sect in Judaism. They are Jews themselves. And yet they are loyal patriots of Israel. They hate the Roman occupiers. They want freedom for their country. And so you see, essentially, these two religious sects. They're both Jewish, and yet they bitterly hate each other. They have a deep-seated hatred for each other based upon their own political alliances. Now, these two enemies set down their differences. They put them aside in order to fight an even greater enemy. Who is it? Well, it's Jesus. And so that takes us to the very beginning of the gospel that we heard this morning. And so the Herodians and the Pharisees, they come together and conspire so that they can create a trap for Jesus to find evidence so that they can arrest him and then execute him. Notice how it begins. They say, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man and you teach the ways of God. Well, what are they doing? Well, we would refer to it as buttering him up. They're using flattery to catch him off guard, as if they really could. They ask him this question, is it lawful to pay the census tax? Now, in Jesus' time, as well as in our own time, this present day and age, 
Religion and politics are very closely connected. Therefore, this question is incredibly volatile. It seems like the perfect trap, though. Why? Well, paying the tax to Caesar was controversial and even a source of great acrimony since the Romans occupied Israel. Now, what we have to understand, part of the tax went right to the army, the very army that was occupying Israel itself. It went to the soldiers, their salary, their food, as well as their building and their housing. The other part of the tax went directly to Rome as tribute to Caesar. And so anyone living under suppression like this would naturally hate their occupiers. Now, if Jesus answered, yes, we must pay the tax, well, it appears that he supports the Romans. He's a collaborator. Worse yet, he's not a good Jew, nor is he a good patriot of the country. Now, if he says, no, don't pay the tax, well, he, yes, he's a good patriot, but now the Romans see him as an agitator and an enemy of the state of Rome. So it seems either way, regardless how Jesus answers the question, either religious or a political group will be in opposition to him. So it seems like the trap is set, and he can't win. Now, we see this a lot in our own day and age. With politicians, they give press conferences, they answer a question in a certain way, and no matter how they answer that question, they're always going to make some party, some political activist angry. So Jesus says, Repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. And so Jesus gives them this clever response. Now, this response has been debated and interpreted throughout the centuries in our church. It appears Jesus is implying there is a clear distinction between God as well as our world. It's easy to conclude that. But take Jesus' answer to a real deeper level. What does he mean by this? Well, we are citizens of two different cities. One city is the world. The other one is the city of God, heaven. And so it then begs the question, how do we straddle both? Can both be in harmony with each other? Or are we constantly jumping back and forth from one to another? Well, the answer is the cities live in harmony with each other. The world and heaven live together, not in opposition to each other. They shouldn't be because both were created by God. Take our world. The world consists of what? Politics, economies, art, science, healthcare. Now, they all have a legitimate function in our world, in our society. We recognize there are people that are skilled and competent in these particular professions. And so we render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Okay, good. Render to God what belongs to God. What belongs to God? Everything. The world. And everything that contains the world. Politics, the economy, science, healthcare. Everything, including Caesar himself. It all belongs to God. What Jesus is getting at, there is no clear-cut line of separation 
between God and the things of this world. All the things of this world, yes, they have a legitimate function in our society. And yet, they all belong to and fall under the inventory of King Cyrus. King Cyrus is the king of Persia. And he is, essentially, his country is the neighboring country of Babylon. Now, King Cyrus, he didn't know God. He didn't believe in any God. And yet, Isaiah tells us that King Cyrus nonetheless operated to act according to God's plan to liberate the Israelites from slavery. And so, remember, the Israelites during this time were slaves to the Babylonians. And so, Cyrus, he raises up an army. He invades Babylon and defeats the Babylonians. And then he turns to the Israelites and he says to them, you're free. Go home. Go return to your country. And so, Cyrus here is acting under the influence of God and according to God's designs. And so, that tells us all things of this world are not independent of God. Now, why is this important? Because I believe our country prides itself on having a line of separation or demarcation between God and the rest of the world. And not just right now, but throughout the history of our country, especially amongst our founding fathers. Look at Thomas Jefferson. He once said, we will tolerate religion as long as it is privatized. Basically, as long as it's held private in your own heart. It can't be brought into the public eye. Well, no. All things, yes, they have a legitimate function in our society. And yet, all of those things have to be formed by our religious principles in God. And this is important for us to understand. And so, yes, politics, the economy, science, healthcare, yes, they have a legitimate role to play. And yet, at the same time, we have to realize the Pope shouldn't be in charge of all the governments. Bishops shouldn't be in charge of economies, and priests shouldn't be in charge of healthcare systems. That's because it's outside of their realm and their competency. There are more competent people to do those things. But, and I think this is what Jesus is getting at, it drives home his lesson. Our Christian values should always be forming and influencing all aspects of society. How? How do we apply this? Well, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give you a couple examples, real simple. Say, for example, a person works in law enforcement. Well, maybe they're a police officer. They are a lawyer, paralegal. They're a judge. They're a clerk, whatever it is. Well, now enforce the law with no partiality. Say a person works in healthcare. They're a technician, a doctor, a nurse, whatever it may be. Well, now heal without any discrimination. Well, next, give to God what belongs to God. Well, whatever we do, whatever our profession is, it should always be formed and shaped by our Christian values, the values of God. 
the virtues, patience, prudence, compassion, charity, forgiveness. Jesus embodied the virtues. And I think this is the powerful lesson that Jesus is trying to teach all of us for this weekend. And his answer to that question, is it lawful to pay the census tax? Jesus is telling us, whatever we do in society, whatever our professions are, whether it's in healthcare, economy, politics, whatever, they should always be influenced and formed by God's values. See, when that happens, then yes, we can do exactly what Jesus tells us. We can render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, sure. But most importantly, we can render to God what truly belongs to God. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.